Hello and welcome to the Forbes India special report podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and I have with me Meetu Jayashankar, the associate editor at Forbes India and the head of the Bangalore Bureau. Hi Meetu, it's great to have you here. Hi Abhishek. First of all, congratulations on a very neatly scripted article on a brand about which a lot has been written and I'm talking about Titan. Thank you. And I say that because you know we had a lot of case studies during my MBA days about the positioning and and everything and there is there is enough written and sometimes it gets boring but uh, you chose to write about a company which was only 5 years old when the uh, license raj was abolished it was barely 10 when india started uh, recognizing that uh, the product that the company sells that is watches was not a luxury after all and then by the time it hit uh, adolescence in 2000 it started competing against the mobile phones because you could buy a mobile phone which doubled up as a watch and uh, as it stands today with your experience of covering the story how do you define titan is it a watch company selling gold or is it the other way around i'm talking about tanishk now that's right abhishek like you said you know like you i also began uh, my sort of journalism career you know writing stories on titan and it it was the reference brand for any you know marketing story or a positioning story and it, that company has actually come a long way since then you know if you remember in the early uh, 90s or late 80s when the company actually started there except for recently there wasn't any other indigenous brand in the country and watches were gotten sold like a commodity and this company actually came in with and with heavy differentiation of its brand design and marketing you know i mean they they gave india a brand that we were also proud of and, and i still wear a titan watch and it's it's been close to 20 years and i, I still wear a titan watch and, I, and i see a lot of people you have company <laughs> Absolutely, and and I see a lot of people. I mean, at least in in our age, maybe the younger kids have more choices today. But you know, they still own a Titan brand. And in some sense, you know, that is the dilemma of that company. That whoever they could have perhaps sold a watch to, bought a watch from them. I mean, and they were so successful at what they set out to do. And about sixty percent of the organized sector market share is with them. So. Really, the watches business—it's a very profitable business for them. They make about 15% margins on on that, but it doesn't grow as it used to. So, uh, this is something I think the company started looking at many years ago, almost more than a decade ago, and they started saying, "What next?" And Titan was, you know, built by by this this very impressive uh, managing director, Zakir Jassai. I mean, he was he was a visionary. He's the one who saw the need to differentiate and create a brand, and you know, use design as a and quality as a good differentiator. And, and their time, you know, I mean, because Titan was so successful, they, they wanted to take the company abroad. And when I while I was reporting on the story, somebody said Zakir had a bee in his bonnet, and that was that you know he would go and sell his brand to to the Europeans. and to the western audience you know who were known for good craftsmanship and you know high quality movements and the fits and you know this is the benchmark for watches so that's when they started um, exporting the brand and that was sometime in the mid 90s late 90s and they lost a lot of money doing that to earn foreign exchange like what you said it was pre liberalization or just around the time liberalization happened to earn the foreign exchange to support his export endeavor they started exporting jewel watches which was which is how Tanish actually started and they said we'll sell jewelry and you know jewelry watches to to markets abroad on the foreign exchange mm-hmm. to support our international foray right. that pretty much bombed well, what was the uh, main reason for that 
Yeah, you know, if you, if you look at how the international brands are, the Cartiers and, and all of the world, I mean, they did not value Tanishq as a brand. I mean, it, they just, then they ended up becoming the supplier to, to all these big international labels. I mean, they said they will give you the designs and manufacture and, and send it to us. Now, there was hardly any margin in it. And, and obviously, we tried in doing that for Tyson at that time. And that's when they started to look at the domestic market. Jewelry has been a very traditional business. And... Women have always bought jewelry the way their mothers bought it and the way their grandmothers bought it. So, you might as well just go to one trusted family jeweler and look at the designs and buy it from that. And a corporate coming in and selling jewelry to Indian women wasn't wasn't done before, but Tanish had to do it. And they had huge sort of, you know, challenges doing that. I mean, women were not willing to make the shift and they thought it was a premium Western brand. And they started by selling diamond and white you know, platinum kind of jewelry, which we, which we were not wearing 10, 15 years ago. So, right. so that's sort of a summary of, you know, how sort of Tanish came into being. In fact, if uh, any company from the organized sector had to make a foray, it had to be tightened because, like you mentioned, women would go to trusted goldsmiths. And in the corporate world, I believe even today, if you were to put 10 companies out, then Tata would trump everyone else when it comes to trust. So in one way, I guess that might, might have worked in their favor. And uh, today, as it stands, after reading your article to it, it's very evident that it is Tanishq which is riding Titan's profits and uh, not watches for which Titan was initially born. Is that right? It's like a story of tail wagging the dog, is what I see it as a reader. Tanishq has turned the hero, and it's, it's very, very ironical. But Tanishq is still not as profitable as watches is. Actually, watches make twice as much profit as Tanishq does. But the market that Tanishq addresses is huge. I mean, right. I think it's about 90,000 crores, the jewelry market. The watches market is, is very small compared to that. So this is actually that dilemma. I mean, you know, if he has to grow the company, mm-hmm. he has to grow it through Tanishq because, you know, the market that it it addresses is so large, the organized sector share of that market is only 10%. So, I'm going to ask for just a moment here, because you mentioned Bhatt, and uh, he, he's kind of a stranger to many of us who follow the business news as well, Bhaskar Bhatt, the MD. Uh, can you take us uh, through the struggle that he had to go through for you know, getting certain decisions right, and with your interactions with him, what is he as a person, and how is he perceived in the company as such, as the leader? The company was formed in 1985, Titan, but, you know, has been associated with the project, I think, in 1983, when it was called the Tata Watch Project. You know, he's an IIT, I am a graduate, a very sharp, very intelligent man, but he, he doesn't have the same sort of presence that works has had. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he held tremendous influence inside the company and outside, Bhaskar was a good second person in charge. He was his deputy, and and probably you know had seen the business uh, grow from from the very very early stages, and had been instrumental in growing that. But where he lacked in charisma, I would say you know he has sort of proved in performance because if you see when he took over the company, they lost a lot of money in, in international expansion, and and Tanish was bleeding. I mean Tanish was not profitable for seven years, and the board wanted to shut down this business. Right. And the Tanish managers will tell you stories that, you know, I mean, they really had their backs to the wall and, and their jobs were on the line. And hmm. I wouldn't say that Bhaskar sort of took on the board very aggressively. That's not his persona. But he has worked very, very hard to win the trust back and to show that Titan is once again a profitable company and company which, you know, gives good returns to shareholders. But when I read it, it also says that the board of Tata is a little too demanding. Even today, when uh, he's been credited to turn around Tanishq, in spite of what McKinsey had to say, the consulting firm for which Titan would have paid a lot of money, even today the board is asking that, you know what, 
we need higher profitability we need higher top line growth and you know what we'll also not give you too much capital so you sell as much as you can bring in a lot of money earn profits on that and uh, we are not going to spare you enough money for the infrastructure isn't it a bit unfair there are two points of view to that uh, abhishek if you look at it from the company's manager's point of view and, and titan is a very entrepreneurial company so there is talent which wants to grow and expand new businesses but if you look at the board they pretty much had given this company a free reign during this time and and they lost a lot of money so it's a board that cannot now go and easily trust the management so there is some sense of the trust having been lost between the the management and and the board and that is really bhaskar's challenge mm-hmm. now to the question of is the board being unfair by not giving in capital to, to support there was a capital expansion in 2006 there was a rights issue and some money did come in from the promoters but titan is really a retail company thanks to tanish i mean that's the other part of the story which which actually didn't go in the article but titan is no longer a manufacturing company alone it, it is now perhaps one of the largest or perhaps the largest organized retail company in india they have about 550 stores across Tanesh, across Watches, across Fast Track, across High Plus. So, can they do more? That's a question I had put to Bhaskar. Can they do more? Sure, they can. Is capital the only thing concerning them? Perhaps in some sense. But to just sort of give the benefit of doubt to the board, you know, they like Tanesh. They started a, a business selling only pure gold jewelry in smaller towns. That's called Gold Plus. Right. Uh, that's again a very very low margin business, and in some sense, it's exactly where Tanish was, you know, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a business that the management would like to grow because it's a thirty thousand crore market. But the board feels that it's not a differentiated brand, so they don't want to grow that. But look at other businesses. So I think it's it's every CEO or every managing director has this challenge. He has to match his people's aspirations and, and manage the expectations of the board. It's more like uh, an entrepreneur seeking out angel investors. for venture capitalists where he has to knock doors over and over again for somebody to believe in his idea and put in that money because it's not very different here as well is it absolutely and hasker sees himself as a professional and he is not one of the, the promoters there i mean this game could be very different if for example kishor diani was looking at some of these businesses right. you know and looking at gold plus or something their entrepreneurial zeal and passion and risk taking ability is, is much higher that's very true in fact here things are not as bad as they were before they are sitting on 100 crores of cash and the stock prices well we can't go too much by them but still they are higher by 133% when you compare them to a few years ago but there are a few skeptics like you say in the company but anything that you came across when you probably posed the question of how are they going to grapple with the new competitor alliance because see tanishk has always been positioned as a premium brand and reliance is for almost all products that they have in their umbrella it's for the masses and the masses connect with them so we are talking about two mighty giants in the indian industry and both having completely extreme positionings uh see i mean you're right that you know reliance is, is actually more a, a mass market uh, the perception is that it will be more a mass market brand than tanish gives and <clears throat> that's exactly what biju um, kurian the man who had this business reliance jewels now also says and incidentally he he was an exciting guy he was pascal Uh, second in command as long as Bhaskar served there, so right. which makes the story even more interesting. But if you look at what Reliance Jewels has done, they've opened about 22 stores in the country now. Mm-hmm. But their strategy, their positioning is a little different. It's, they're not going after the premium buyers. Right. They are their designs and the and the way they're selling and the, and you know it's more gold jewelry and less of the other things. So you're right. It's a mass market brand. Is Titan scared of them? 
I'm not sure because Titan, you see, in this business, it's what you said in the beginning. You know, it's a business. Buying gold is a business of trust, and mm-hmm. according to one sort of independent observer, the Tata name carries a lot more trust in this particular case than Reliance would. I think they recognize that because you know, even Reliance uh, certifies all its uh, gold and diamond jewelry. There's a certification for what you're buying. So they try to address that issue, and like I said, I was talking to a board member in Titan, and the view was that Reliance may have much, much deeper pockets than Titan can get, ever get access to. But they haven't really built a very strong, credible consumer brand as of now. I mean, right. if you went by history and if you went by ability, Titan has much, much stronger brand, fast track, whether it's uh, Sonata or Titan or Sunish. So their ability to create consumer brands is far more than. Reliance coming up. Reliance is a corporate brand, but you can't really think of a consumer brand within that. I mean, they're watching them, but I don't think they're paranoid about them as yet. And I think somewhere the feeling is that another organized sector player will only expand the market, so it will be good for the segment on the whole. Oh, so probably this will get more people to switch from their goldsmiths back to the the malls. Yeah. So it will only help Tata because more Reliance advertises, the segment only grows. Is what you mean then? Yeah, but interestingly, Reliance doesn't advertise, and the answer to that question is, is that see, gold is a very price-sensitive commodity. So yes. the perception is that if they are advertising, they must be charging that back to us. So, uh-huh. so I mean, I haven't seen too much advertising of Reliance jewelry, and that's probably the reason. And and if you see Tanish, this has been the heaviest advertising season for them. They've changed it. They're going after the jewelry market, and they're positioning themselves now like a family jeweler. And mm-hmm. And that's really taking sort of the center field in this market. You know, I mean, 50% of jewelry is bought at the time of wedding, and and that's where you go and spend big money, like two lakhs, five lakhs, you know, and whatever your what your pocket can afford. So, Titan wants to take a bigger share of the market. I think for Titan, the bigger competition is is the regional brands like GRT or like or Ganjam here or 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 Sribhuvandas or you know other brands that not. Those are the names that people are familiar with and have seen. Like my grandmother would have bought jewelry from from there, and you know still has those pieces with her. So that I think is a bigger competition for them as of now. And I guess one of the answers to combat that competition is they are building huge stores. And the first paragraph of your article says that the biggest Titan store will be in Chennai, which is about twelve thousand square feet. It's already there. Uh, yeah. Yes, in September. Right. 20,000 square feet. 20,000 square feet, which, uh, you know, which is on Osman Road. It's like a jewelry street, and, and it's right opposite this very, very old traditional Chennai jeweler GRT. So, right. in some sense, that's making a statement that, you know, like I'm a serious jeweler and, and, and consider me to be one. I'm not a fringe player or not selling trinkets to modern women. I'm selling you hardcore jewelry. So. Right. And what better place to do that in Chennai, which is the hub of all, you know. Absolutely. Great. Thank you very much, Meetu, for your time. Thank you, Abhishek. It was a real pleasure talking to you. And you do ask some good questions. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. For all you guys listening thank out you. there, you can access this podcast on business.in.com. That's the website of Forbes India. And you can also get it on theindicast.com. Please do leave your comments there. We would love to know. That's about it. Bye-bye. Bye.